I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, Elena. Hey there, Snake Eyes McGoogles. <laughs> His nicknames are just getting exponentially longer and more confusing to the listeners, but I'll take it. I do think Snake Eyes is probably the hardest nickname in public radio. You don't get a lot of Snake Eyes no. in the like folk music no. uh, you know, scene or, 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 or literary arts or other things public radio is known for. <laughs> Are you ready to get the show going? Heckfire, yeah. All right. Uh, let's check in with Molly, who's in Carmel, California this week. Tough life. Molly, are we recording? <laughs> Snake eyes. We are rolling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. All right. Elena, take it away. From PRX, it's Livewire. Recorded from our actual houses, welcome to the Livewire house party. This week, with comedian James Veach, scent archivist Allison Breed, and music from Chastity Brown. I'm your announcer, Elena Passarello, and now, live and direct from a small room just off his kitchen, the host of Livewire, Luke Barbank. Thank you very much, Elena Passarello. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this week. We have a fun show in store for you. We have, we call these things bits, right? We have a bit coming up that <laughs> has me feeling very uneasy because it involves my actual wife uh, trying to describe what my smell is. And I just <laughs> see so many ways that this can go wrong. We're also going to have Elena's longtime partner describe uh, how he finds her smell to be. Mm -mm. Um, so this may be the last edition of Livewire ever. So yeah. I hope everybody enjoys it. Yeah. As we do each week on the show, uh, we like to ask the audience a question. This week we asked, what are you unexpectedly nostalgic for? Uh, mm. We're going to read some of those answers coming up. It's weird, the stuff that I find myself missing from, as I've been calling it, the before times. Yeah. You know you know what I keep thinking uh, is something I would really like to engage with is a movie theater. Mm -hmm. And I don't even go to that many movies in normal life. But uh, seriously, in the last two weeks, I've probably 10 different times thought, Oh, it'd be really fun to go to a movie right now. Would you go by yourself or? Yeah. I like a solo movie date. Oh, I mean, honestly, it's kind of the best. You don't have to make small talk. Mm -mm. You can get whatever snacks you want. I saw that um, animated Spider-Man movie. I think it was like Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah. By myself, 44-year-old man 
buying his solo <laughs> ticket to a Spider-Man cartoon, and it was great. I loved it. Uh, I did. I saw Bohemian Rhapsody by myself because no one I knew would go with me, <laughs> and it was it was the best because I didn't yeah. have to worry that I was like cheesing out any of my friends. Yeah. How about you? What are you What are you nostalgic for? Well, you know how in that DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince song "Summertime," he, oh, he yes. says. I get thinking about how the smell from a grill can spark, spark up, nostalgia. up nostalgia. I'm nostalgic for when I didn't know that was the lyric, and I thought it was how the <laughs> smell from a girl can spark up nostalgia. I just learned <laughs> 30 years after that song came out that he wasn't like walking past a woman and smelling her and then like feeling nostalgic, and I kind of like it better my way. That's a real, uh, what, excuse me while I kiss this guy yeah. moment. I'm just like totally misheard lyric. That song was so pivotal to my childhood growing up in Seattle. I would literally reenact moments from that song and be aware that I was doing it. Like if I would swing by the basketball court or if I was invited <laughs> to a barbecue that's starting at four. Mm -hmm. Like if my life ever came into sort of uh, synchronicity with the lyrics of that song, I knew things were going well. If you were chilling in a car, you spent all day waxing. Yes. Nice. Leaning to the side, but you can't speed through two miles an hour so everybody sees you. Yeah. You know it. <laughs> What are the listeners saying uh, stuff that they're surprisingly nostalgic for? Here's one from Scott. Scott is nostalgic for eating at a pizza buffet. Scott says, I can get takeout, but that's just one kind of pizza, not many kinds. <laughs> there was a pizza buffet at a place in Seattle called Godfather's Pizza oh, yeah. when I was growing up. And, <laughs> and it had an all-you-can-eat lunch buffet, which when you're adjacent to a high school, that's just full of, <laughs> of high schoolers that have hollow legs. Yeah. This is the worst business model of all time. <laughs> we would go. It would be like 12 of us. One person would get the plate, which was like $3. Oh, no. And then we would just all eat so much pizza. And then at some point, we figured out, oh, if we just boost a couple of these plates and wash them and keep them in the car, <gasps> we can just come in here and eat eat endless amounts of Godfather's pizza from the buffet. I'm not saying it was morally correct, but it was <laughs> delicious. Uh, what else are people saying? Uh, here's one from JNJN Today. I think that's a mm. Twitter handle. Uh, nostalgic for petting new dogs. <gasps> yeah, right. Although, like, here is the part of the show where I give out questionable medical advice. Oh, no. I had heard a report that the the dogs were were less not as likely to to transmit the the, the virus as had been worried about at one point. I guess the other issue though is if you're going to go close enough to pet a dog, you're probably too right. close to whoever is holding the dog on the leash. Yeah, they're attached to a human. This is Livewire Radio from uh, PRX. I'm Luke Burbank with Elena Passarello. We're talking about being nostalgic for things this week. Elena, did you know that one of the strongest senses for bringing back memories or bringing back a moment is smell? Yes, thank you, Will Smith. Ha, huh, they think, <laughs> that's right. They think there's some evidence out there that maybe deja vu is actually triggered by smell. Is that right? Yeah. That's why I was thinking that it would be fun to invite this first guest over. She is the person behind this Twitter feed that has been cracking me up lately. It's at Romance Smells, also known as the Male Scent Catalog, uh, where she has been documenting how romance novelists describe the essence or the smell of the male characters in these books. Uh, it is a fascinating project. Her name is Allison Breed. Allison, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Um, how did this male scent catalog project start? 
Oh, goodness. I don't even know. (laughs) It, It started when I decided to just start tracking everything I was reading because I'd never done it before. So ev- everything, not just sense, just like the no, just stuff books, that was- books in general, uh, novels, comic books, audiobooks, everything that I was consuming in, you know, a reading format. Mm-hmm. And you just wanted to have kind of a record of, of what you'd been reading? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, everything I write like little personal notes of what I liked about it, what I can refer back to, to help me remember it later. Uh, or if I'm like reading a book by an author that I don't remember, I can go back into my notes and look and think, okay, this is what they've written before. This is what I've liked about previous books. Mm-hmm. I was also reading just a whole bunch of romance at the time and getting into conversations with some friends about classic tropes. And one of the ones that has always stood out to me is the description of sense and like yeah. the the sensory descriptions, like the taste, the touch, mm-hmm. the uh, all of those. And so I kind of started tracking all of that. And then when I came up with the idea for the Twitter account, I figured I needed to pick a lane, you know, like if you're going to do something that gains traction and people stick to, it's got to have like a a focus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, because I, I know a lot of people make fun of romance and stuff. And I figured some people would see this and think, you know, oh, that's romance being ridiculous again. I was like, yeah, well, we'll do male sense instead. So if people decide to make fun of it, they'll just be making fun of the way men smell. In romance novels. In romance novels, specifically. But I mean, like what I was amazed by reading a little bit about this project, Allison, is the amount, like the sheer number of romance novels that you were consuming, particularly when you started doing this project. What was it, like 40 a month or something? Yeah, a little over 30 a month, between 30 and 40. I I read, uh, so I think I started in 2018 and I read, I completed 380 books. Oh my gosh. I made it past the 50% mark in 400 books and I attempted to read 418 books (laughs) that year. Um, Wow. Are you just locked in a room with books? (laughs) Like a romance novel. Some some people's dream. And I think this is what people who don't read romance don't realize. You can sit down and read one in an afternoon. It's like a three or four hour thing. I don't, I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies really. (laughs) In all of these romance novels that you enjoy, are the descriptions of the way men smell more potent than the way that female characters are described? (laughs) No, it was more the idea that male smells always had to feel masculine. Uh Uh-huh. So masculine, there's a wolf howling in the background. Yeah, yeah, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, yeah, what is a sort of typical, like, scent description? Because you're tweeting these out all the time, these just, like, pull quotes from books you've read of how, uh, in this case, male characters are described, their smell, their essence. What are some of your favorite, like, scent descriptions? It kind of depends on, like, what you're looking at. Some of my my personal favorites aren't actually descriptions of the way the scent smells, but rather how the scent makes you feel. Hmm. Can you give us an example? Um... There's one, uh, Kennedy Ryan, she's written a couple. This is, this is so simple, but the quote is, his damn seductive scent suffusing the tight glass encased space, making it a hothouse, 
Or mm-hmm. in another book she wrote, the scent of him, this close is inescapable, infiltrating. Like they always use scent to create like this idea of like power and like emotion. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, you're just like this heady, it goes to your head. I love that. <laughs> it's very like, I mean, humans are animals, but it's very animalistic. You know, yeah. that, there are definitely animals who produce a scent either to attract a mate or deter a predator. It's like a force. It's like a power. Right. And I, yeah. like, I like that romance novels have like reclaimed that for humans, even though we don't have the same scent glands. You right. Know? Yeah. There's no way we're picking up on all of these subtleties with like all of this precision. <laughs> this is the Live Wire House Party, by the way. We're talking to Allison Breed. She runs the uh, Twitter feed at Romance Smells, also known as the <laughs> Male Scent Catalog, where she's been uh, documenting all of the ways that the essence of the smell of male characters are described. One of the things I didn't realize until I started looking at your Twitter feed was a lot of the writers of romance are clearly, I guess you could say, in on the joke. Like, yes. there's, it's very meta. Um, are there any descriptions of smells that are just mystifying to you where someone just... <laughs> oh, just like a thing that would never be a smell or doesn't seem pleasant or is just confusing for any There's reason. There's so many good ones for that. <laughs> like, do, do you have any examples? It, it was a terrible book. I wouldn't even want to recommend it. Like it was problematic <laughs> in every way, mm. but I couldn't get over the way that they described the scent of this woman who's, she's like, it smells like a spicy, misty forest that I want to run through in a silk nightgown. Oh. And then, and then later she describes that same scent as, a warm, musky forest that she wants to run through nude. So <laughs> this, is, this is the smell of the guy that she's interested in the book. And yes. she's like slowly disrobing. Yeah. Mentally, at least. <laughs> Why do you think this is such a trope, Allison? Uh, is it, I mean, does it have to do with uh, arousal systems or just that you got to write something about these people in these books? Oh, there's definitely something to say for like arousal systems, for sure. Like your olfactory glands, you know, are receptive to things. And there's all of that in um, Ayurvedic medicine, Mm -hmm. uh, anything that's holistic. And, you know, you're using natural oils. You talk about opening those those passageways to Mm -hmm. be receptive to these scents and their calming effects. Uh, What is your relationship with romance novels? You obviously uh, have read a lot of them. Uh, a lot of people can kind of make fun of them, call them bodice rippers or be fairly dismissive of them. But there's no way you're ironically reading this no, many romance no, novels. No, I love the genre. I, I've, I've gone through a journey <laughs> coming <laughs> to love the genre. Uh, if you had asked me this like three years ago, I would have said that romance was my number one guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that's ridiculous because why would I be guilty about it? Mm-hmm. Right. But no, I think I think romance has so much to offer. I think a lot of people are so dismissive because they know one small aspect of it. Mm-hmm. When in reality, romance encompasses everything. You've got paranormal, you've got suspense, you've got, I mean, you have your cowboy romances, you have your bodice rippers, but you have historical romances that are set in other eras that aren't Regency England. You have, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have Beverly Jenkins, who's like, got this entire repertoire of books set in like Confederate America. And like, I just read Indigo the other day and the Hester is an underground railroad operative and saves this other man who frees slaves from plantations in the South. Like you, you have everything. Like even if you wanted to read a book about big blue aliens who entire bodies are probably designed for female pleasure specifically, like you can read that too. <laughs> well, it's a really fun follow on Twitter. I'd highly recommend people check out at Romance Smells. Uh, it certainly opened my eyes to the wide variety of, of, of kinds of romance novels that exist. Now, 
Uh, we actually have to take a quick break, but Allison, I was hoping you could stick around because when we come back, things are going to get real, <laughs> maybe a little too real, because uh, our actual partners, uh, Elena's partner David and my wife Carrie, have written to the producers of our show and described what our actual smell essences are. And when we come back from the break, we're going to find out what they said. I don't know if I've ever been more nervous for a segment on this show. So could you stick around, Allison? Yeah, of course. All right, great. That's Allison Breed from uh, At Romance Smells. I'm Luke Burbank, along with Elena Passarello. This is Livewire from PRX. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Livewire is supported, in part, by Fully. Listen, you know, in your heart of hearts, that sitting around at work all day, that ain't great for you. But guess what? It's not just your heart of hearts. There's actually a lot of science backing that up, which is why Livewire partners with Fully, the company that believes people weren't meant to be glued to a chair all day. Fully has curated the best collection. And I've been there, by the way. I've met them. I've seen the stuff, and I can testify. They've got the best collection of standing desks, active sitting chairs, and other workspace tools that encourage us to move. Uh, I've got the TikTok stool. In fact, I'm sitting on it right now. I don't know if you can hear me rocking back and forth on it. But uh, the folks at Foley sent me this thing, and it is just a dream. Uh, it's comfortable to sit on, but it keeps me engaged in the work that I'm doing, keeps the blood flowing, and uh, and it's really improved my life as I uh, work to host your favorite public radio show and podcast, known as Livewire, in case you needed a reminder. Anyway, if you would like to be better at what you're doing and stay more engaged, check out Fully. Get your body moving in your workspace by going to fully.com slash livewire. That's F-U-L-L-Y dot com slash livewire. Fully, desks, chairs, and things to keep you moving. Welcome back to the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank, uh, broadcasting from my house in Bellingham, Washington. Elena Passarello is at her place in Corvallis. And in Portland, Oregon, checking in from her house is Allison Breed, who maintains the Mail Scent Catalog on Twitter. <laughs> I realize if I didn't add on Twitter, that would just sound like you're doing a very bizarre biological project. <laughs> um, it's a Twitter feed that documents all the ways that men's smells or essences are described in uh, romance novels, which got us thinking, uh, what do we, like as in me and Elena, what do we actually smell like? So this week, uh, our executive producer, Laura Haddon, reached out <laughs> to Elena's longtime partner, David, and to my actual wife, Carrie, uh, to ask them how we smell. And we have those answers, and now we're going to try to guess what they said. Um, Elena, can I start by running through some of the possible options yes. for how your partner, <laughs> David, described your essence, your yes. smell? Okay, no pressure. Uh, did he say you smell like... The scent of freshly cut garden hose and freshly opened can of tennis balls? Mm, mm -hmm, mm. Or did he describe your smell as an abstract, mysterious scent, alive with countless subtle facets, radiating an extravagant floral richness? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> uh, or did he say uh, you have the scent of eating a cookie in a canoe on a lake in the morning? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that might be my favorite. Mm. Or did he say, you have, Elena, the scent of seduction with a hint of flame-broiled meat? 
<laughs> Which one of those is your actual smell as described by the man that you live with? I know this author. One time I sprayed perfume on my wrist and held it up to his nose and he said, quote, you smell like a floor. So the, <laughs> the closest I think of those to you smell like a floor is cookie in a canoe. So I'm going to go you with cookie. You are absolutely right, <gasps> Elena Passarello. Was Allison's favorite, so I it feel was. like I'm doubly right. Well, in fairness, your partner is a playwright, so we should expect <laughs> such uh, <laughs> like lyrical words from him. Now, let me just mention the scent of freshly cut garden hose and uh, tennis balls. That was from the documentary Psalm, which was about people trying to get their sommelier oh, yeah. accreditation. That yeah. was how some wine was described, I believe, at some point. <laughs> I don't want to order that. No. Uh, an abstract, mysterious scent alive with countless subtle facets. That is how they describe Chanel number five. Mm, yeah, that's, um, I'm the opposite of that smell. And then the scent of seduction with a hint of flame-broiled meat is the description of the of the perfume or cologne known as Flame, which was an actual cologne that Burger King released in 2008. <laughs> I wish I smelled like that. I wish I smelled like a Burger King. I love that smell. I feel like I'd just be hungry all the time. They do get you yeah. with that smoke though, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Have you become, Allison, more attuned to smells because you've spent so much time now Uh, documenting how uh, smells are described? I wish I could say I have. um, (laughs) Only on the page. (laughs) My sense of smell is terrible. Really? (laughs) Yeah. What about your own partner? Um, Do you find yourself interested in describing his smell? See, this is the unfortunate thing about what I do. I quote other people who are good Mm. at describing things. (laughs) I'm terrible at describing things. You're a curator. Yeah, exactly. I'll use other people's words. Gotcha. All right, Elena, uh, you got a really nice one. The scent of eating a cookie in a canoe uh, on a lake in the morning. That sounds like a place anyone would want to be. Mm -hmm. I am much more nervous about how my wife described my smell. My guess it's going to involve whiskey Mm. and broken dreams, Ah. uh, like a country music song. Can you... Can you please give me the options? Okay, four choices. Of these right. four, which okay. is your own smell as described okay. by your own wife? A, oh, God. a ferocious wave of marine accords splashing over the tender blossoms and sophisticated scent of jasmine. <laughs> uh, I like boats, so marine accord? Marine maybe. accord. I <laughs> okay. Jasmine's new for men. Mm-hmm, yeah. You don't get that. Yeah, Allison, there's very, uh, you know, it seemed to be some pretty strict rules around what scents are attributed to to which uh, genders in these books, right? Yeah, I actually went through and read almost every single quote I've ever collected and came up with a list of the descriptors that I saw the most. Okay. Uh, Can you give that to us quickly? Yeah. So uh, woodsy, um, Mm. and that encompasses anything that says cedar, evergreen, pine. Uh, Earthy is the next one. Under that, I have these grouped together as spicy, citrusy, or zesty. Uh And then under that is sandalwood, musk. And then these three are grouped together. Clean, fresh, or crisp. Mm. Under that is masculine, male, or manly. Mm. Under that is warm and rich. Those go together. And then at the very bottom, we have forbidden sin or bad ideas. Oh, right. That's Uh. the guy that you shouldn't be hooking up with, but you're probably going to by the end of the book. (laughs) All right. Keep going, Elena. Let's let's hear these. So there's the Marine Accord with Jasmine, right? And then option B, clean masculine comfort, like fresh rain fallen in the woods during the height of summer. (laughs) 
So there's that's your woodsiness right there. Wow. I mean, that's, I'll take that's, that. That's perfect. That's a I don't Nelson. think it's true. Clean. I think that's probably from an old Spice commercial, but uh, I would be very happy if that was how she perceived my essence. All right. Uh, what's the next one? Option C, fireplace ashes sprinkled with water. Huh. Oh. Hmm. Okay. okay. I did I like make a fire one. the other day. It was so cold where I live, even in June, that I did make a fire in the fireplace. Maybe that was maybe that was fresh in her mind. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, there you go. Okay. And then finally, a picnic in the shade surrounded by wildflowers and juniper buds with just a touch of nectarine swirling in the breeze. That sounds like a woman's scent. Yeah. I am going to say maybe uh, <laughs> maybe Fireplace and Rainwater, which would also be the name of my Fleetwood Mac cover band. Fireplace I ashes start- sprinkled with water? Yeah, I'm going to guess that. Well, that actually is how Buzz Aldrin described the moon's <laughs> smell from Apollo 11, <laughs> which is beautiful. I like the idea that you think she thinks you smell like the moon. Well, or just something that's desolate. <laughs> you can play golf on it. <laughs> I feel like if I picked any of the other ones, it would seem like I was getting a little too high on my own supply. Okay, fine. What is the, uh, what's the real one? The picnic in the shade surrounded by <gasps> wildflowers and juniper buds with just a touch of nectarine swirling in the breeze. Wow. I'm lying. That's a afternoon oh. <laughs> alfresco candle by Yankee Candle Company. <laughs> you, my friend, smell like a clean, masculine comfort, like fresh rain falling <gasps> in the woods during the height of summer. Oh, right. okay. Not well, that's bad. pretty good. Well no. done. I mean, that was, yeah, that was, she was being very, very generous, you know. <laughs> get get me after a couple of days of quarantine with no shower and it's, it doesn't smell like a uh, masculine energy in the woods. That's for sure. Um, well, Allison Breed from the Mail Scent Catalog on Twitter. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us today. Thank you. And uh, Elena, how do you feel about uh, your description? Do you feel good about how how you smell to your partner? I I'm delighted, but I I'm skeptical that that is actually what I smell like. I, I know, think, me too. I think he just likes me, and he likes cookies, and he likes lakes, and he likes canoes. Yeah, but that's that's love. Love is a powerful force that bends the reality of the other person into being something that you like. Yeah, you know what I think I actually smell like. <laughs> What? Fritos. <laughs> I do. Like sometimes I smell myself, you know, not, there's not much to do in quarantine. Uh, right. I'm like, I, I want Fritos. <laughs> On that note, this is Livewire Radio from PRX. Livewire gets support from Alaska Airlines, working nonstop to support their guests, employees, and communities. And they're offering no change or cancel fees for flights booked through June and taken by February 2021. Reward benefits are also extended, so companion fares and elite status will be there when it's time to fly again. Learn how else they're supporting flyers at alaskaair.com. This is the Livewire House Party from PRX. I'm Luke Burbank, along with Elena Passarella. Uh, we're talking about nostalgia this week. Elena, you know what I have never been nostalgic for? Mm, shrimp. Uh, that's actually yes. Yay! And also, those spam emails that tell me that a Nigerian prince uh, has a shipment of shrimp worth a million dollars, and they just <laughs> need to park it in my bank account right. <laughs> for a couple of weeks. Uh, but our next guest, who we're inviting over to the party, James Veach, uh, loves those emails. He's an English comedian, and at some point a little while ago, he decided to just start responding 
to all of them and then document the results. Uh, and it's really funny stuff. He's performed at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Uh, he's also appeared on Conan. He has TED Talks based on this whole concept. Uh, and he's got a new book out. It's called Dot Con, The Art of Scamming a Scammer. And we've got him on the line from London right now. James Veach, welcome to the Livewire House Party. Thank you very much for having me. How's quarantine uh, in London going? I was born for this, I think. I w- I'm just, I'm happy not having to make excuses to go out. You know, I, I've been just doing my own thing. You know, I've taken to it embarrassingly, like a doctor. And people say, oh, quarantine. I'm like, what? You know, people, someone asked me the other day, they say, well, what's the first thing you're going to do once we're allowed to go out? And I said, I'll probably just have a quiet one in, in you know, because it's a, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure to go and yeah. do something. So I'm just like, I'll just, yeah. I'll just stay in, you know? Huh? Speaking of having a, a quiet one in, were you just finding yourself sort of supremely bored on the day when you started this project of basically responding to every spam email you got? <laughs> Not bored necessarily, but more just it, uh, it happened to me. The more, I'll tell you what, I think the reason I did it was because the first scam that I replied to was a friend of mine called Alex emailed me out of the blue and she said um, – what does she say? I'll, f- I'll find it. I think it's probably the first scam in the book. She said, sorry to bother you, but I made a quick trip early this week to London, UK, and I had my bag stolen from me. The embassy is willing to help by letting me fly without my passport. I just had to pay for a ticket and set of hotel bills. And it was really early in the morning, so I was immediately like, what? But it was from my friend Alex. And I thought, okay, she's... She st- and I think it was initially because for one second I was fooled. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm, yeah, I was just kind of annoyed with myself. So the next, what happened obviously is Alex's email account had been hacked into. They'd reset her password so she couldn't get back in. And then they just blitzed everyone in her address but with this email. So uh, the second email I thought, well, okay, w- normally we just delete all these. But I thought, you know, why not just have, well, do what I think we've always all wanted to do. And I said, Alex, but how on earth did this happen? And the game was afoot. Um, and yeah. that's kind of what began it off. Like, it was just a number of years ago, and I just, I just started having the greatest time of my life just doing this. And what was the sort of goal of responding to these spam emails? Was it to amuse yourself? Was it to distract the scammers? So there that was they no couldn't... goal initially. I've grafted on because obviously in, uh, later people said to me, because I've made a career out of this, people were like, so why do you do it? And I say, well, any time they're spending with me is time they're not spending scamming vulnerable adults out of their savings, which is true. And then there's also part of me that just wants to, wants to you know, annoy them as much as they annoy us. But then part of me just, you know just thinks it's fun to play you know go into your spam folder if you want to just have fun they're like dragons let me tell you it's like pandora's box <laughs> in there you just go in there and it's just like you know it's 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 gold and diamonds and yeah. and and you know princesses and princes emailing you out of the blue it's great fun you wrote about that in the book and i i was like not in my spam folder and then i checked it out and the uh, the amount of different types of scenarios and stories and heads of state that are asking me for money every day that I completely didn't know about because I have a decent filter. Um, it did spark my creative juices a little bit. Indeed, if you've had an email for quite a while, yeah, you're going to get lots of stuff. I got one recently um, from, uh, I'll try and find it actually, I got one recently from um, Oxfam. They were, they're basically Oxfam guys. Oxfam are sending me uh, how much are they sending me? It's quite a lot. Um, like it's, let me go to the beginning of this email. Oh, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a million euros. Just a cool mill. That's it. Oxfam got in touch with James Veach, comedian and writer in London and just said, you're the guy we need to give this million dollars to. <laughs> yeah. They, oh, and they also said, I, I've just noticed this. I wish to inform you, this is not a joke. So they, they're really <laughs> serious about it. So then I was awarded this community relief grant, they called it. So I, I've been chatting to them for quite a while. And what I've done is I've suggested, this is ongoing. I said, uh, I said, okay, uh, 
I want to work on like setting up a place because it's for co-release. I said, I want to set up an information center close by where people can come together and really get close and work out how best to deal with the issues that COVID-19 has raised. <laughs> um, and then and then I said also, I'm, I, I think, you know, would it be foolish to try and find a vaccine myself? I have no experience, <laughs> but I have attended a number of doctor's appointments and it seems feasible that something may have rubbed off. You know, because if you've gone to a few, you should be able to have some sort of medical knowledge. Okay, yeah. and then I said, they said, okay, look, you can use the money for anything you want to, but pay us this fee to set up the bank account. And I said, the first part of the money I want to use to build a space where the community can gather inside this enclosed space. We'll be able to discuss at close quarters the COVID-19 problem. I'll hold a special opening, put on a buffet of finger foods. Um, uh, and, they, and then I said, look, then using the other half, I want to set up a research facility in my basement. I know what you're thinking. Do I really think I can come up with the cure? Well, let me tell you that when I was a young boy, I contracted chickenpox. And to fight it off, I concocted a, you know, some sort of antidote. I drank a thimbleful of vinegar and chased it down uh, with a Cheeto. And let me tell you something. I've never contracted chickenpox again. So yeah. draw your own conclusions. So mm -hmm. I'm, I, you know, it it's great fun. It's, it, and it's, it's uh, um, of the moment, you know? Yeah. yeah, we're talking to James Veach. His new book is .con, where he interacted with email scammers, pretty much anybody who made their way into his uh, inbox. Uh, one of my very favorite exchanges in the book is, uh, James, where uh, you did this genius thing where somebody is trying to scam you and you are responding, basically asking them how they liked your book, mm -hmm. and you get them to eventually write a series of blurbs for this book <laughs> that doesn't really exist. Mm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that back well, and forth? The thing is, the, the really fun scams are the ones where they're pretending to be someone you know. So like they, they've either got hold of uh, an email address that's similar to your friends, or they've hacked into your friend's email address. Because they're pretending to be your friend, you can say anything you want. Like, and you can you can refer to past conversations. So, and just in this one, I said, absolutely, I will send you the money, Robert. But remember, you haven't told me about my novel. And uh, last time, <laughs> last time we talked, you told me you read the first twelve chapters. But you know, tell me, <clears throat> tell me what you genuinely thought about it. And he's like, I just, I just need the money. I'm like, I'm not until you've told me what you think of the novel. And he said it was. He he's, he said it was. Um, I really love all the writings on the novel. It is passionate and sensitive. And so the next, I've mocked up this book cover called Sensitive Passion uh, by this by this guy. And he was like, Yeah, that looks good. I mean, it's preposterous. Um, yeah, you could, uh, those are some of my favorites because you can really uh, set traps for them. Yeah. I was just wondering, is this the kind of thing that you're able to do virtually, but would you be able to do it in real life, like a sort of Sasha Baron Cohen type of thing? Like, do you have that kind of <laughs> shamelessness yeah. where you could also do this? Uh, if it were happening on a street in London? I am definitely shame, shameless. Um, uh, <laughs> I, f I, f I feel like I do... Um, I'm more than happy to ridicule myself for the sake of any anything bit of humour that I want. Like I've just bought, I've just been collecting pieces of a Marty McFly costume from Back to the Future, just so oh, okay. I can turn up one day to meet a friend dressed as Marty McFly, but n refuse to acknowledge it. You know, just because right, I, th I think that will be funny. What? What do you mean? I just put this on. What do you mean? I'm dressed like Marty McFly. Stop going on about it. You're dressed like Marty McFly. Anyway, so I will do, I will do anything. Um, but the thing is, is that uh, we tend to think of these scammers as like solo, you know, uh, guys just going a bit, 
you know, just going a bit rogue and, and doing their own thing and trying to scam you. Actually, I think it's probably more of a call center situation. I think it's probably like, right. you know, you have tiers of people, they have a script, blah, blah, blah. If, you're, if you're considered to be a, you know, a, a, someone who's potentially going to scam, they send you up there, you know, um, referrals, right. et cetera. I think it's a, it's a strange business. You've been doing this for years now, right? Like six years or something. Oh, God. Uh, have, I mean, have you- what if, on your behalf, on your behalf. And also, I do other stuff as well. You know, I was the scam guy and then I was the ducks guy. I'll be another guy at some point. Well, I just wondered with all that time, have you learned about the industry of scamming? Have people gotten in touch with you and said, yes, it is call centers or... Um, I try to. Here's where I try most to. Of it happens. I sent an email to a guy. There's a guy who was... Because uh, this is the guy I did a TED Talk about and he occurs a, f- a few times in, in the book. He um, called a guy called Solomon Odonka, who was one of the first guys. Oh, yeah. that, right. remember, the gold guy. Uh, yeah, the gold, the gold, right? And he, he I mean, te- technically, uh, if you think about it, he should be getting a royalty for this book, but obviously he couldn't really claim that because he might get in trouble. But anyway, so um, I sent him an email. I said, look, Solomon, obviously I've known from the start that you're a scammer and you know that I know that you know. <laughs> so do you want to do an interview with me about what it's like to be a scammer? Huh. And he, he replied and he said, I can quote it, but he said, I cannot believe I've been wasting my precious airtime with a madman like you. What a waste is this? Um, you are a total di- disgrace to manhood. Go f*** yourself. Yeah. Wow. I was, I was like, okay, Solomon. Um, and then, but the great thing is that on the back of the cover of the book, it had all these quotations. It was like, I, I laugh my ass off, the New York Times. Uh, unbelievably funny, The Guardian. Fantastic, The Independent. You are a total disgrace to manhood. Go f*** yourself, Solomon Adonka, <laughs> on the back of the book. And I thought, what a wonderful quotation to have, you know? That is one of the things that I didn't really expect until I read this book was how kind of personally offended some of the scammers seem to get when they realize <laughs> that you're wasting their time. Like, they are very uh, put off by your uh, behavior. Yeah, and I was, such is my mind that when they say that to me, I have this reaction where I suddenly feel bad. I feel, oh, I feel mollified. I feel, I, I think, oh, I, I didn't, oh, have I upset you? And then I, ha- hang on a minute, wait a minute. You know, I have to have <laughs> right. that moment with myself. Um, it's a, uh, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange, strange thing. But yeah, yeah, that, happen, that happens all the time. They tend, they, they tend to put themselves into it and they, you know, I have a relationship with them. What can I say? <laughs> but another thing too that I'm I, I was thinking as I read through this book was it's really funny it's very interesting but you can also feel the desperation radiating off of these people that you're sort of toying with and now on the one hand they're doing something very bad they're trying to steal money from people and they ruin a lot of people's lives on the other hand their own lives presumably are fairly desperate at least mm-hmm. a lot of them mm-hmm. so I mean how do you kind of hold those two realities uh, at the same time? There are a lot of people online and people tell me about these people who, you know, if you look at it, who do mean things to scammers. They really mean mm-hmm. things. Um, they right. make them, they try and fool them into taking pictures or, get, or going back or tattoos or things like I don't know, stupid things. And I, I try not to do that. I try just to play. And I think if someone's emailing me saying, I, am, I want you to invest in gold, I'm well within my rights to email back and say, how much gold are we talking about? You know, I, I, I think that's I think that's fair enough. And again, I mean, this this is true because I speak to a lot of people that do. You know, I get emails from people who have they have vulnerable relatives or vulnerable people who who do fall prey to this. Even children, I, I you know, who, who have been scammed and felt like oh, I've brought shame upon the family. You know, mm. because I've been told that I've I've spent ten thousand dollars in Minecraft, you, you know, mods or something, and my mm. family owes money. So 
I, I, I just think there's any time they're spending me, it's time they're, they're, they're not spending with vulnerable people. So it can't be a bad thing, you know, and I don't, I don't think I'm better than them or any, or I don't think, I just think it's, it's fun to, to play the game, you know, and if, mm. you know, if they're saying they're this, I'll say I'm that. It's just a little dance going on. There's, mm. with, with, the, with the honey traps, beautiful girls email me out of the blue and they'll be like, I love you, James. And I'm like, I really, I really wish this were the case. And then, <laughs> um, and then they will pretend to be someone who I want, they think I want them to be. So they pretend to be this yeah. person who's this um they'll be like oh I, I love you i really want to come to london oh i'm so many pictures of them scantily clad then i will be the person who i think they want me to be so there's just a little dance going on i'll say oh i don't have a lot i have a lot of money but i don't have anyone to spend it on it just sits in a swiss account earning interest how boring you know so i'll just you know I, oh i make rash decisions and don't think about the consequences you know and I, I think it's funny how it's just i'm doing pretty much exactly the same thing as they're doing i just don't i don't really want money there's this one great exchange where this person sends you, it is a photograph of, of a woman, but then she's holding up a kind of a white piece of paper that mm. lists, I think, your email address on it, yeah. which is some sort of proof that she's a real person, even though it would be the most easily Photoshopped thing ever. It really proves <laughs> nothing. And then you keep sending these responses, and eventually you send one that is just a series of increasingly smaller pictures of this woman holding <laughs> yeah. the picture. It's it's like the universe is going to like it's, is going to yeah. I mean, collapse she was, in she up is on Russian, itself. So it made sense. It was like a, one of those, right. you know, Matryoshka. Oh, Matryoshka. Yeah. yeah, she was great. But then she's like, please stop toying with me, my love. Like, she gets mad at you when you do that. She said, my, my, I'm, I'm excited and my head is like any big station with a lot of voice. I said, how yeah. long have you been hearing voices? Because that's, that's significant. Uh, what do you think you've learned about, I don't know, human behavior or people in general from spending so much time going back and forth with folks? Precious little. Apart from the fact that I suppose we are quite inventive. And <laughs> and if put in a sticky situation, we will prevail uh, through sheer flight of fancy. Um, that, I think, is probably what, what I've come to realize. Well, the book is, is really funny. Congratulations. And uh, people should check out your TED Talk. They should buy more than one, like two, three. Buy one for yeah. Grandma. And then oh, when yeah, she forgets, true. buy another one for her. Because, <laughs> you know, or re-gift, re gift and then re-gift, etc. Do you need two or three? <laughs> All right. James Veach, thanks for being on the Live Wire House Party. Thank you for having me. That is James Veach. His new book is Dot Con, The Art of Scamming a Scammer. And as fun as it was to talk about, it's actually even more fun to read about it. <laughs> yeah. It's a very visual book, so I recommend yeah. everybody go uh, check it out. This is Livewire Radio. It's the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. We are at our respective houses. And as we do each week on the show, uh, we've reached out to the Livewire listeners on social media and asked the question, what are you unexpectedly nostalgic for? And Elena's been collecting those answers up. What are they telling you, Elena? Here's one from Meg. Meg is nostalgic for just being in a group of people singing and having it be totally normal. Yeah. Although I will mention... This is the weird world we live in now, Elena. Now they're ranking all the different things you can do with other people and which are the most dangerous. And singing right. is like up yeah. near the top of the list. Choirs are like the skydiving of COVID. Yeah, because you're expectorating so much, you know, you're you're <laughs> you're you're putting a lot out there into the world in terms of uh, you know, projecting with your voice. But you know what you can do on Facebook, there's a great group called the Low Bar Corral. They do exactly what Meg is talking about in in the before times, getting a big group of people together to sing. But now they're doing it virtually and you can tune in the, to the live stream and sing at home. Uh, you know, a little purple rain, a little Rhiannon, you know, a little don't stop thinking about tomorrow. 
that's going to be how we're going to probably have to do it for a while until yeah. there's a vaccine <laughs> or a cure. Um, what, uh, what else are the listeners saying? Here's one from Krista. Krista is nostalgic for the waiter at my favorite restaurant mm. who brings me my Manhattan with a yes, queen. I believe I, I, believe I said that. It's, it's more like yes, yes, queen. There's a lot of S's on the end of that. It's a personal choice. It's a, you know, you pronounce it however you want to. I so know that feeling. Like, there are these people that you would see, whether it's the person that, you know, works at the post office or mm-hmm. I don't know, just yeah. I miss them like I miss my family. I miss the guy. I traveled a lot in the before times and I miss the guy at the Portland airport who plays the pan flute. I, I say his name is Yanni. I don't think that's his name, but that's just what I call him when I walk by. One of my favorite CDs I bought from a guy playing the marimba. He was playing Elliot Smith marimba covers yes! in the Portland airport. <laughs> he also does Karma Police. <laughs> I love that, you dude. You bought that CD? Yeah, it's great, by oh. the way. Would recommend. Oh. <laughs> uh, any other uh, responses from the audience that are catching your fancy? Sure. This one really hits me where I live. It's from Lydia. Lydia misses fair style, like state fair style, curly Mm. fries, the kind that's shaped like the fry basket made with fresh potatoes and often improved with that orange liquid cheese. Good for the soul and for the arteries. Not so sure about that (laughs) last part, Lydia, but I'm with you on the whole, all the rest. But the thing about that, you could make that at home, but it wouldn't be the same. Nope. You have to be standing around in the dust of mm-hmm. some kind of state or county fair mm-hmm. for that food to be at its absolute peak. While like a Charlie Daniels yep. tribute band is playing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> when I grew up in Seattle, the fair uh, that we would go to was called the Puyallup Fair. And uh, and they've since changed the name because nobody knew what Puyallup was except the locals. Yeah. But, um, uh, it was a big deal, and I remember having my first like middle school girlfriend. We got to go to the Puyallup Fair, <gasps> and uh, I remember holding hands on the like there was like, <gasps> a tram, and just my little seventh grade hand just sweating profusely. And then later, hearing through the grapevine that she broke up with me because my hands were clammy. Oh no! Well, maybe if you didn't eat so many of those fries, you wouldn't have had the grease sweats. <laughs> I was definitely <laughs> my body was reacting to something that was going on. All right, this is the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello, coming to you by way of PRX. Uh, we got to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere because we have music coming up from the amazing Chastity Brown. So stay with us. Hey, special thanks this episode to Lada Lakeo Gilman and Leslie Worth of Portland, Oregon. Lada and Leslie are part of the Livewire member community, and they generously support our show with a donation each month, which we are so thankful for because it is genuinely how we are able to do the show. So a huge thanks to Lada and Leslie. Welcome back to the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank, broadcasting from Bellingham, Washington. Elena Passarello is down there in Corvallis. Hi, Elena. How's it going? Pretty sweet. Nice. Um, I, I wish to gosh people could just see the dance moves that you do when we come back from the break. You get really hyped by <laughs> this no rejoin one. music that we play. No, for me, I can see you on Zoom. It's great. This is like the most the most socializing I get to do during the week. Um, this is the Live Wire House Party, so let's hear some music. You know, one of the things that is kind of a bummer about a, a global pandemic is that we cannot do shows in front of a live audience, which is why it's so exciting for me to see Elena doing her her shoulder shake as we come back from the break. Um, But a silver lining uh, to all this is that it's giving us a chance to play some awesome stuff 
uh, from the before times that we didn't have a chance to air back then, including this song from Chastity Brown. She was on the show uh, in October of last year, and she played two amazing songs, but we usually only air one song per show. So here it is. The other one, it's called Curiosity. Take a listen to this. This is Chastity Brown here on Livewire.
as Chastity Brown right here on the Live Wire House Party. Her latest album is Silhouette of Sirens. And you can find out uh, what she's up to over at chastitybrownmusic.com. Well, Elena, I'm already nostalgic about the beginning of this episode, which is mere moments ago. And now we're at the end. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And a huge thanks to our guests this week, James Veach. Allison Breed, and of course, Chastity Brown. Livewire is brought to you in part by Foley, Alaska Airlines, and the Jupiter Hotel. Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Tim Harkins is our production director. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko, and Ariana Donneville is our marketing associate. Caitlin Kunkel is our writer, and Molly Pettit, our technical director, is our house party mixer. As always, a big thanks to Carlson Audio. Additional funding provided by the Oregon Arts Commission, a state agency funded by the state of Oregon and the National Endowment for the Arts. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. Our show is made possible by the generous support of our members. This week, we'd like to thank members Zachary Simmons of Pittsburgh, PA, your old stomps, Passarello, and Teresa Horn of Portland, Oregon, where our show is based. For more information about the show or how you can listen to our podcast or sign up for our newsletter, Head on over to LiveWireRadio.org. I'm Luke Burbank for Elena Passarello and the whole LiveWire crew. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Livewire. When we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with, with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait, actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of LiveWire read on the program itself. Uh, Reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time because we love having this job. Uh, Thank you so much if you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.